Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, Eric, um, before we put out this podcast, uh, we'd, al- we'd already interviewed you effectively to talk about your fight with Zelfa Barrett at Matchroom Fight Camp, and we dissected it, which is what the listeners will hear in a couple of minutes to stick with the show. However, in the days that have, in the days before we released our podcast, you've made a change to your team. Can you tell us about what you've uh, gone and done? Yeah, just changed changed it up because um, I just needed a change, really. Like you know, um, it's uh, it's a no brainer, really. Like you know, myself and Ken, we're great pals, and you know, we've been working together for the last number of years. But when I asked Ken to help me out, because I worked with a good few coaches, like in my career, but when I asked Ken to help me out, because we used to do a lot of training together and a lot of hard work and stuff. I didn't think I would go beyond Ireland, the Irish scene. I thought, you know, Irish title, domestic uh, opposition, and, you know, what I know, um, what I have in the kind of, um, ex- in my experience and all, should be enough to get me through there. And then with Ken's expertise, you know, we should be able to just box the head off lads around around Ireland and, uh, you know, excuse my language, but, like, that sounds a bit harsh. But, I mean, like, we should be able to kind of, Comfortably win, you know, win, 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 win an Irish title and 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 comfortably comfortably beat the kind of opposition that are around us at domestic level. And what's after happening in the last couple of well half a year, nine months even, like since I met a change change managership, um, you know, linked up with Mark Dunlop, and we're after prizing open the door. We took a big risk into. Um, into you know into uh, the matchroom boxing and Sky Sports boxing and coming up against tough opposition but elite opposition as well and likes to sell for Barrett and um and just what I had in the tank and what I had in terms of like experience and what Ken had we're we're so we were so like we spent so many years in the amateur game and Ken is like one of the best amateur boxers in the world he has got an amazing brain um you know for the fundamentals of boxing but there's just something different that i'm missing and that's the professional skills and my amateur pedigree is important and i'm not denying that but i need i need more i need more to get me through these tough fights and so i i I need i need the experience as well because when me and ken and don't get me wrong, I love Ken. Like, you know, we're good, we're really good friends. And we're after having some journey as well when you think about it. Like, and don't forget, Ken, I'm keeping Ken as a part of my team. You know, if 
you know, he, I think Kenny want, he wants to, and I want him to be a part of my team as well, you know. And um, uh, but but there, I need somebody to have that authority over me, you know, to be able to tell me, look, Eric, take a round off, you know, um, tie this guy up, sit on the ropes, don't do nothing, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I need I need that, and. So I linked. Well, I had a couple of discussions, a couple of meetings with some professional coaches, and um, and I met up with a few of them. And and Packy Collins was was one that I was having a chat with, and he just kind of hit the nail on the head and so many things. Like, and to be honest, look, like let's call a spade a spade. I haven't really got like the the luxury of long, like of you know another six seven years in this sport. So. My next few fights are going to be like crucial in terms of like you know will I continue or will I not? You know what I mean? Like they're must win. Like and when I'm being mentioned in the same breath as Reese Bellotti and Jordan Gill and these guys, like Eddie Hearn told me he's going to give me another chance at featherweight. I'd be a fool. I'd be a fool if I don't bring in that that experience. You know. And I spoke with Ken about this as well, and Ken thinks it's a brilliant idea, you know, and he knows it's a great idea, you know, like you know, in terms of like fundamental boxing skills and amateur skills, nobody can teach us them, you know, we're masters at that, you know, that's what we've been doing for years. But there's something different in the professional game. You have to have a different a different string to your bow. And yeah, we know Pascal Collins from training from yeah. Kevin McBride with his win over Mike Tyson all those years ago to. The professional careers of the likes of Stephen Ormond, uh, Spike O'Sullivan, now Ray Moylet, Niall Kennedy, and you're joining you're joining a busy gym with a, a good buzz. Have you you've worked with Pascal before? I'm sure, or even been in this gym with sparring and stuff like that. And had you, you'd hit it off before. You even you joined us on our podcast a few weeks ago to talk about uh, power punchers and put forth your ideas on the mechanics of boxing and stuff. So, do you guys have a good relationship? Obviously, moving into working together. Ah, we do, we do, you know, like, in fairness, like, you know, I went over there and aspired loads of Packy's lads, you know what I mean, Ormond and, and Moylet and, and, and Niall O'Connor, and uh, she, she's, uh, Jesus, uh, he has a good guy over there, Jesus is his name, he's uh, Venezuelan, very good, um, and and what I liked as well is, like, how pa- how Packy kind of, like, um, talks his lads through the fight, you know, Talks them through the fight, guides them through the fight. You know when to kind of push, when to put it on, when to put, when to kind of step back, and he just has that authority. Like you know what I mean? Like I just feel you need that. You can't just rely upon instinct. Instinct is only an instinct is all right over three rounds or something. But when you're in a fight that's scheduled for ten rounds or twelve rounds, that's a half an hour. That's you're in the ring for like forty-five, fifty minutes or more. I think. Uh, the role the role of a coach is um, in that period of time is huge. It's you know it's huge. You can't really rely upon instinct just for that long. No way. So um, so yeah, like that's it. And I had a couple of sessions with Packy and um, and uh, I've really enjoyed them. Really enjoyed them. Kind of slowing down, slowing down. I'm I'm working. At, I've been working at two. I need to box like a 35-year-old and not a 25-year-old, you know? That's what I need to do. I need to just slow it down a little bit. I can win rounds by doing 20 or 30% less than what I'm actually doing. And, and you mentioned the other side of it as well. There's a stable there. 
there's mm. a there's a there's a camaraderie like you know there's a there's a team element to it you know and I've always been used to that and like Kenneth like Kenneth my coach up to this point and he still is a coach he still is involved uh, in my career as well like you know I want to have him in, uh, on board as well as an assistant coach kind of and uh, I think he I think he's I think he's going to be up for that too. Um, so, but what I was saying is, Ken is not a full-time coach. Like mm. he's a counselor, local counselor. He's also yeah. an addiction counselor. Double counselor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's also an addiction counselor. He's also uh, he also does a little bit of fitness with people and stuff like that. And so he's quite busy. Uh, and we were always trying to juggle our schedules and kind of meet me here, meet me there. And it's amazing what we actually did. Uh, but we were all over the place. We were really all over the place. We were traveling everywhere, you know, and trying to make trying to make it all work. And you know, have no qualms about it. Like we put in yeah, the work, yeah. we put in the work. But at least now I can have a base that I can go to every day or every second day or whatever. And um, you're you're putting I'm your mental there. energy into being to just finding a place to meet up or yeah. putting thinking all the time about how logistically you're going to make this work. At least now you can just focus on showing up in that gym in Cordoff and uh, going in and getting your work. Well, I was based out of Ultimate Fitness Gym in Ballymount, like, you mm. know, and they, them boys are brilliant. And me and Ken, were, we were, they, we've, we've used that as our base and we always had. Um, and uh, the lads in there are fantastic. And I, rep- I will still represent that gym along with Celtic Warriors now. You know, that gym is... Is is a part of my team as well, and um, and I'm I'm doing my strength training down there with Seamus, one of the one of the instructors down there, and they're absolutely brilliant, you know. And he's that's a new change I'm after making as well. I brought in uh, a strength and conditioning coach who's who's put me really to a very strenuous uh, strength program. Most of the strength training I was doing for my last fight was was all circuits. Yeah, circuits are not, you know, circuits are alright for health and fitness, like, but they're not. They're not kind of like what you need to train for a fight on the magnitude of the you know the, of the the fight I had. Do you know what I mean? On to that level. And another thing about circuits as well is their high tempo. So from the track to the boxing to the circuits, everything I was doing in my training camp was all high tempo, high tempo, mm-hmm. high tempo. There was no switching off. There was no coming down, building up that strength. But you know something? It's all learning. I'm still only a rookie pro. <laughs> like. 35, lot of knowledge in the game and all that, but still only a rookie pro. I was looking at my fight uh, again there um, the other day, and my God, the mistakes I was making was unreal. But anyway, look, I can I can rectify that. I can work on that. You know? Yeah, and um, hopefully, hopefully you land a big fight again soon. Uh, I know you did a lot to did a lot in the fight with Zelva Barrett to earn yourself another shot, and Eddie Hearn was keen to give you another one. So with all that said. Um, Listeners now can have a look at, can have a listen to your own analysis of what what went wrong in your last fight, your first defeat, and uh, you know it's a bit of a it's a bit of a raw breakdown, a bit of an analysis, but uh, it was interesting listening nonetheless. And Eric, I want to wish you the best of luck with your new coach as well and your new direction. And uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll all come together. Thank you, appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks, a million. Even on a budget. Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't want to start off on a somber note, but you've just lost your undefeated record on Sky Sports. But you've had, have you had a successful or an unsuccessful month um, going over to Eddie Hearn's fight camp? How are you feeling? Um... Yeah, I'm still feeling a bit good, like, you know, but, like, it's sports, professional sport, it's the elite level, you know, and, you know, very few people finish professional sport without ever being defeated, you know, I think it's, you know, there's only one or two boxers to ever retire undefeated, like, you know, and um, a lot of greats have lost in the ring, and, you know, and and I lost the other night. I didn't plan to lose. I set out to win, and I was going so well uh, for so long. And just a lapse in concentration, or a little bit of maybe a mixture of fatigue, and mm. and just being in the kind of a maybe in the pocket a little bit too long. You know, and and I got caught, and I paid the price, and never really recovered. Um, so I, I'm 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 still a bit hurt over it because it's so fresh in the mind. But look. I mean, I will get o- like I will get over it eventually, and um, I'm still more determined than ever to become a major champion, and that'll be back at my own weight, my own featherweight category, I suppose. Yeah, Eric, um, you, ter- you turned professional in 2016, and you had an unbe- unbeaten record up to this fight camp against Elfa Barrett in uh, Eddie Hearn's back garden. But you had a couple before you turned pro. You had a couple of years out of boxing. And uh, so, do you remember your last defeat um, prior to, you know, at, at the tail end of your amateur career? And is it true that you remember the defeats more than the victories? That's what they say about elite sports people. Yeah, yeah, in a way, that's true. Um, my last defeat as an, as, well, my last fight as an amateur was in the WSB in the final over in, uh, over in Kazakhstan. We won the competition, but unfortunately, I lost my 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 bout in the final against a very big um Ukrainian uh he he was he was um uh, he was he was a he was a monster he was a giant it was 61 kilograms and he was coming down from 64 or something so um i forget his name um I do, you, do you want me to try <laughs> i can't even i can't even do it uh Vyacheslav Vyacheslav Kiss the listen, kiss the listen. Yeah. Uh, kiss that's it. He has 10 letters in his surname, and not one of them is a vowel. <laughs> yeah, None. so like, but that's the thing, you know. I put up a great fight against him as well in the final, as well. And I was probably unfortunate. To, I thought after the first two rounds, I, I should have been up. Um, I should have been up two rounds to nil, and then. After three rounds, I was down two one. Do you know what I mean? Things like that, like that, are just little small, small percentages, small fractions that, at the top level, they're the difference. Like you talk about me going professional in 2016, 
and the 12 fights that I had, those 12 fights were really only developmental uh, development fights and uh, kind of stepping stones to to the big league. And I, I went from, you could say, the third division up into the premiership with that with that fight um, on the matchroom show. And but I always I always believed that I was that type of fighter and I deserved to be on that type of pla- type of uh, platform. But I just was going under the radar for so long. And ever since I made the switch over to Mark Dunlop, first thing Mark said to me when I sat down with him was, Eric, I'll get you the big fights, but I can't win them for you. I said, Mark, that's okay. You get me the fights and I'll win them myself. And I was fully determined when he got me to fight against Alpha Barrett. We knew, we knew it was a big fight. We knew he was a, a, a formidable opponent. And we knew he was hot property as well. He was like a real prospect, of not even a prospect anymore, a con- real genuine contender. The guy that's going to replace Anthony Corolla and, and Scott Quigg and Ricky Hatton as the big main attraction in Manchester. So we knew all of this. And we knew we were stepping up a weight category as well. But at 35 years of age and someone that went under the radar for so long and was retired for three years as well, we didn't have many bargaining chips in our in our in our hand, so we had to make a gamble. We had to, because I wasn't really going anywhere. Let's face it, at 35, so we said we'll go out here and we'll give this guy a good lash, and we we think if we can get a good training camp, we we and put in a good performance, we can definitely beat him. And if we beat him, we'd probably go back to featherweight because it's not our weight category, anyways. Super featherweight is not our weight category, but we go back to featherweight in a much healthier position, ranked probably as well, and with it with an IBF super super featherweight title. So we thought we'd have all, you know, we'd have we'd open a lot of doors. The thing that the the the, the plan never worked out the way we hoped. We didn't get the title, so to speak. But the other things that we had hoped to do by winning the title, by opening doors, by laying down a mark, by putting my name out there and showing people that I can fight at the very top level. I think we've done all of that. We've done all of that. And in some ways, I think that's going to end up benefiting me in the long run as we go back to to our own category. Yeah, Uh, I think so. Yeah, you really got your name out there and you seem to make a lot of friends and alliances in the UK as well and something you hadn't previously done. Come here, Eric. Um, what was what was life like for yourself and Kenneth in the bubble, or your trainer Kenneth Egan in the bubble, matchroom fight camp, staying in the hotel, uh, you know, fighting in front of a small crowd. What was what was the buzz like for the for the week? Yeah, I mean, like you've got a lot. There's a lot of boxers over there talking about. Like I read some quotes from other professional boxers from the UK talking about how they're losing their mind in the bubble and. And it's affecting their mental strength and their ability and all that. And to be honest with you, I boxed for Ireland for over 10 years, traveling around Eastern Europe and some Asian Asian countries as well. And we're in the, the in the, you know, out in the sticks sometimes. And yeah, yeah. and uh, we're in the Philippines and, you know, um, Albania and places like that. And we've been in some dire, dire training camps. And so the Holiday Inn in Brentwood, um, Essex, was a luxury. You know, we were in a we 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 were in one side of the hotel, 
Uh, it was shut off. We couldn't leave the hotel, obviously, but we got room service, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We had a gym to go to, a boxing gym. We had a cardio gym as well. We had an outdoor area where we could walk around if we wanted to stretch the legs. We had TV in our room. We had a fridge. You know, it was I thought it was luxury, you know, so there was no real... And then all the media work that we had to do, all you had to do is go down the stairs. Go down the stairs to do all your media work, you know. And uh, the technology was incredible because all the outside journalists and press boxing journalists would go on to a Zoom call and you'd sit down behind the laptop and have a chat with them all. Like everything was just top class. And I thought the matchroom and the, the matchroom team and the, the Sky Sports team were just so professional. And I, I think in a fight week, uh, lead, leading up to a fight, there's no greater week that I've ever had in terms of like cool, calm, relaxed, stress-free, smooth, just nice, you know, and I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Now, Erica, I don't insult you too much because you're around the same age as myself, but you'd be closer in vintage to the ex-pros that were working there as pundits like Tony Bellew, Matt yeah. Macklin, Aaron Barker, than, than the current pros walking around. Did you find it a good buzz just behind the scenes? Did you radiate towards those guys or, or how did it go? Yeah, because we were having a bit of a laugh, like, you know, with, with Darren Barker, we're talking about um, old competitions we were in and talking with Tony Bellew as well about about old competitions. But, like, I'm I'm the only boxer probably on the whole fight camp that, that, that can actually have these conversations with the ex-boxers uh, and the, 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 with the pundits and analysis uh, uh, team. But, like, even Matt Macklin as well, when I did the Zoom call with him, we were talking about... Um, you know, past past tournaments and you know, amateur days and stuff like that. And you know, they're they're memories that I'll always treasure for the rest of my life. The boxing days, like some people say, school is the best days of their life. But for me, boxing for Ireland was the best days of my life. And Macklin said the same. Darren Barker said the same as well. They're just memories that they'll treasure forever. And the fun times that you had with the, with your good friends because you become like a family with the team around you because you're living with them like you know you're living with them basically you're going through the mill with them you're putting your bodies and your minds on the line every time and you know you're you're having your you're having a lot of highs and you're having a lot of lows with them but you're sharing in all of these wonderful experiences with each other and you're doing it for years um so great memories great memories now, uh, I saw Katie Taylor showed up to fight camp in time for your fight. Did, was she ringside? Did she get to watch you? Or? Well, I think she was, yeah. To be honest, she she never, she never like, we didn't chat or anything before the fight. She texted me afterwards, and uh, she said, Eric, you know, that was an outstanding performance. And um, she just said, like, you know, she, she, she was hard luck, basically. But it was an incredible performance. Like, And so did many other boxers as well, like, you know, with Ryan Burnett, Conlon, Frampton, Andy Lee. Every, like, people have been getting in touch with me and saying, like, you know, Eric, you've been rolling back the years there. Like, what a performance you were you're 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 doing so well and you should be very proud of yourself and I am really proud honestly I am proud of myself you know I'm good because I'm a, I'm a winner you know and I trained to win that fight and uh, and 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 it just you know just like a lapse in concentration can be so can be so detrimental to your whole to your whole plan and uh, and that's what happened but um, it was good to know that Katie was there as well because like someone did say it to me before I got in the ring and that was a nice lift too 
Yeah, because it covers a cliche that I've often heard about boxing, but I've never really truly believed it to be accurate. It came from a quote attributed to Sergio Martinez, and he said, I finished the fight with Chavez, and I had 1,060 missed calls. And when I lost my last fight uh, against Miguel Cotto, I had four missed calls. One was from an unknown number. The other three were from my mother, and that put everything in its place. But uh, I've never yeah. really truly believed that quote. Uh, I, I, maybe it's accurate in that instance, but I, I don't think that's really the way it goes and has that been your experience well i was thinking if that was the case for him then that would be very sad and uh and for me thankfully that wasn't the case um my god i got some amount of well wishes on the way into that fight on the way into the ring and i have to say i probably got equally the same amount when i got out of the ring and that was just so reassuring the first thing i'd done when i got back to the dressing room i was crying my eyes out and the first thing I'd done was I got my manager's phone, or got my own phone, actually, and uh, I rang my fiance Laura, to tell her I'm okay. Because I knew, you know, Laura, Laura journeyed with me for the whole training camp. You know, she's on holidays as a school teacher as well. And she just lived every second, every minute of the training camp with me. And she was just my, my pillar, my, my rock throughout the whole thing. And the kids were with me as well for 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 some of my camp too and you know they were even on the running track as well and you know in the, when I was approaching the final weeks and final stages of the camp though the kids had to go back to a tie uh, back to their home place and uh, and I just look in the dressing room I just wanted to make one phone call very quickly and that was to Laura and tell her I'm okay and uh, and she rang everybody else the family and everybody else like that but the amount of of well wishes that came in from every angle, from people wishing me well and saying how proud they were of of the job I had done. And in some way, I, I, I ha- Laura had to convince me as well that this was all warranted and this was deserving because I lost a fight and I wasn't. It, di- I didn't. It didn't really sit well with me for a while because I was like, I lost this fight. Are people just trying to? Are people just trying to prop me up because I'm? Maybe they think I'm a nice guy, or you know, they 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 have a good connection with me, and they, are they just trying to prop me up and give me some comfort, or you know? But uh, later on, upon reflection, uh, reflection, when I watched the fight myself, I was actually very proud, and I realised that I actually did deliver a sensational performance right up until I got that clip, and um, I was absolutely boxing sensational. I really was, and uh, and I, I I believed every time I went back to sit in the corner. That only a few more rounds now, and I'm going to lift that belt over my head. A few more rounds. This guy's not beating me. I have him turned inside out. I have him in the palm of my hand. That's how I felt. And yeah. then, yeah. Well, let's let's address the fight. So, um, like we, we'll do a quick breakdown of it. The first couple of rounds, maybe the first two, are feeler. You know, you're, you're feeling each other out, establishing a bit of primacy and stuff. But it, the intensity ramps up in the third round, and you can see Zelfa Barrett is pushing for. You know, starts to throw a bit more meat in his punches. Um, how did you feel after you know, three or four rounds? Um, yeah, I, fe- I felt good. I felt the first round was a little bit cagey, all right. But then I kind of got into my rhythm, you know. He has a good fast jab, but you see it coming, like you know, it is a good fast jab. But I, I, I did get my distance right. I was and and I knew he was the t- he's the type of fighter that waits for you, and we knew this. He waits, 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 and he wait all day for you to come in, and then he try and counter with these big hooks. So we didn't jump in first, you know. So I tried to do get my feints, get my distance right, and try and get a little bit of fainting going, and then 
whack in some fast body shots or fast backhands that I had. And the first round was a, more of just a kind of a feeler and uh, feeling each other out. And then the second round, I started to kind of let my hands go a little bit more and a little bit with a little bit more accuracy as well. And then I noticed in the third round he was coming and starting to let go of these shots, these big shots that we that we knew were going to come. But I seen them coming for a mile because he has to set himself. He has to set himself to throw these shots. So as soon as he went into position to set himself, I just moved off every time off the ropes. I met him miss with these big swinging shots. And once I met him miss once or twice, I think it was in the second round actually. He threw a big body punch, and I just stepped back and hit him a left hook to the jaw, and I clipped him. But it wasn't a very powerful punch. But I hit him, and I let a little roar like "woo," because that's how I was. I was feeling like that. I was feeling like that, and I just was getting under his skin as well. When I met him miss with the big shots, I give him a little cheeky smile, and I was really loving it. I was loving it, and. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted him to feel all the pressures that he was under. First fight for Matchroom, the big stage. You know, I wanted him to to feel all these pressures that he was under, and I wanted him to fall, burn and fall in front of me. And so, as the rounds were getting on, then fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, they were my best rounds. I was literally l- landing for for sport and making him miss so easy and. Even stunned him in the fifth round, and he stumbled back. And yeah, left hand. Left hand yeah. yeah, straight left hand. He walked straight onto it. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to get careless either. I could have ran in and went hell for leather at that point. But my job, my mission going in there was to box the head off him and just steal every round and not even steal, but just win clearly and decisive. And yeah. so I didn't want to. I didn't want to get careless after stum- stunning him that time. And I still thought he had, he was cagey or like he was a little bit kind of at that time, you know, wounded animal cannot, you know, they can pounce on you, you know, or, so I just, I just wanted to be cautious and not mm. careless. So I just said, there's another round in the bag. And then of course, in the, in the seventh round, I didn't Excellent. see the punch that caught me. I didn't I'll see hold the you there. I just want to hold you there before we go to the seventh. Cause I want to suggest that the sixth, like encapsulated the fight. It was probably, I'd say you box better in the sixth round than I've seen you boxing, maybe as a professional. But also, you so you displayed like variation of shots. You know, you went head and body, your footwork, you dipped and you ducked out of a few shots as well. So your defense was absolutely dead sharp. But you got hit with a, maybe two big shots as well in the round. So you could see the Barrett was starting to close the gap and you just yeah. had to be, you had to be a bit swifter. So what did you, what did you, what did you make of that sixth round? Did you feel like going into the seventh round then, this guy's closing looking the gap? Back, look, looking back on the sixth round, I thought the sixth round was definitely a round in where Barrett really upped the ante and he started kind of letting go because he knew this fight was slipping away from, from him and he had to let go. So I still boxed the head off him in the sixth, but you're right. He did have one or two little kind of glancing blows, one that caught me behind the ear and it kind of, Caught me when I was kind of half spinning or half trying to step back, um, and uh, and that gave him a bit of momentum and a bit of confidence, I think. So when I got to the when I got to the corner after the sixth round, maybe maybe it would have been good to kind of say, right, Eric, you're so much, you're so up, you're so well up in this round now. Just take a round off, you know. Um, maybe change tactics, you know, because if you're doing the same tactic for from round one up to round 10, then you've, you're giving them 10 rounds to kind of find an answer to the blueprint. So 
I was so well ahead that I probably could have took, took a round off. But look, I mean, I'm just trying to instinctively uh, respond and react to what's happening in front of me. Um, yeah. so, it, has been, it has been mentioned, I think, by Macklin earlier on during commentary. This is going to be, he said, neurologically tiring. This is going to be because yeah. the levels of concentration that were required. So at what stage do you go from being completely cool in the head to being more relying on your instinct? Well, I, I mean, like, like looking back on the TV, he was getting wilder with his punches. Not wild like well, he is. He's a very good puncher. Yeah. So, I mean, he was going for the knockout. I should have known in the seventh round to have a, have a tight defense, you know? I should have known to have both hands stuck beside my head, beside my temple, and do not punch first because you don't need to punch first. Let this guy punch first. Just keep moving and let, like... I can see it so clearly looking back. You know yeah. what I mean? But first knock then, Eric. Seventh round. You've dominated the first 90 seconds of the round. And you're kind of moving backwards, coming onto the ropes. And you throw a one-two. It's a jab right hand. And then you bring across the left. But you don't put much venom into it. And it gives him the chance then that he wants. And he, tr- he swings across the left hook. And he puts you down. And you get up after three seconds. You're, you're, yeah. you're nearly up. And uh, did you get up too soon? Like the, It's the first time you've been down in... Yeah, what did he get up too soon? Yeah, it's the first time I've been down like in my whole career with a kind of a punch like that. Yeah, and and what was wor- the worst thing about that punch is I didn't see that punch. He went from an orthodox position and he stood in square, brought his back foot in, stood square, and then did a little kind of a little bob and then threw a left hook. So he had a whole his whole body behind the punch, but I was actually moving off to my left. At the same time, he landed this big left hook, and it just, it just hopped off me, and yeah. it just took me. It just took, it took everything away from me. But the instinct, the fighter's instinct inside me, and then my lack of, my lack of experience of getting knocked down and everything like that, I didn't know. I just, I just, I just instinctively re- reacted and jumped up. Uh, I was. Still a little bit kind of it's a little bit unsteady on my legs, but I was I wasn't completely concussed or, or or out like I was I was aware of my surroundings. But what I did was something very stupid. Then was try to fight back, real macho. Try to put I'll show you, you know, when I should have just taken my medication and taken my medicine at that time and moved and just moved and just said right, that's a bad round. We lost the round. Um. And then yeah, I got into a fight with him. I had no power and I tried to get, you know, so then I ended up giving him another free knockdown almost. You know what I mean? I opened the door for him, you know, but... Did, did you feel between, between the seventh and the eighth round that this, because you built up a lead, you'd just lost around 10-7, been hurt properly for the first time in your professional career. Yeah. And did you feel that this was salvageable or did you think, oh no, because well, this, guy, this guy's going to kill me? To well, be perfectly honest. Well, I didn't. I didn't know what to think. I really didn't know what to think when I got back to the corner. But um, I, I just feel like I could have got up on the eight, got up on my toes for the eight round and made him miss like fuck, miss like fuck, like sorry, excuse my language, because okay. I have good feet. I have absolutely good feet. I, 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 I have the best footwork. One of the best footwork boxers in this country. I can get up and make a miss like I've been doing for six rounds. So I should have done that in the eighth round, but I wasn't thinking straight. And if I had to do that for the eighth round, even if he'd win it, I could have re- re- regrouped 
and came on strong in nine and ten. And if I had to win nine and ten clearly and decisively, I still would have won the fight. I think. Mm. So a few regrets, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like that's that's boxing. That's you know, that's uh, that's that, that's the price you pay at the top level. You know, it was very new experience for me. Very new experience for Kenneth. Very new experience for for Dave. You know, we went on this journey together. We were under no illusions of how big and how difficult it was going to be. But we set out to do it, and we thought we were going to shock the world, and we almost did. You know, but, like, for me already, I can see so many learning, so many learning. I know how to put all this right. I know how to put all this right. I know about already with my performance. I know what I did wrong. I know, I know what I need to do the next time I'm in that position. I know, I just know, I know this because I, I see, I read boxing, I study boxing, I learn it. And, but like looking back, I've done my homework and I've done my research and I've, I've reviewed it and I'm going to add it to my game going forward. And the next time I'm in that position, trust me, I will not be getting knocked out. Not a hope. And I tell you, if it's against a featherweight or whatever like that, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to, I'm going to learn, I'd like, I'm going to learn how to win a fight steal a fight win a fight because that's that's the difference there you know the yeah. fight was over 10 rounds I won it for six and a half but that's not good enough you have to yeah. win the fight over 10 rounds so and the next time I'm in that position I know what to do that's something that the follow me gives me a nice little segue onto Katie Taylor's victory as well because she seemed to have learned this time how to beat Delphine Pursun more clearly because she she banked a lot of early rounds and then when Pursun came on in the middle of the fight she managed to be able to, you know, maybe take a couple of rounds off, you know, take in the onslaught, let it pass, and then win a couple of rounds late as well to seal the victory. What did you make of Katie's performance at uh, fight camp? Yeah, I thought Katie's performance was very good. Uh, I thought it was really, really good. Um, I thought, like, her inside work was very notably an area that she worked on um, because Delphine Pursun is the type of person that will get you into that into her po- into her pocket, into her. She's almost like she's like a herb chopper. She gets you in there and she chops you up, you know. And um, and the last time, the last time Katie was in that was in that, uh, or you could say on her salad board or, or her chopping board. Um, she didn't move her head and she was getting caught with all these shots. Now these shots that Delphine throws in the inside, they're not big, massive, powerful shots. She just keeps punching, you know, punch, punch, punch. And but she hits you with them and they look they make you look really bad and they knock your head back and they, they knock you off they knock you out of out of routine and and that's what she did to Katie last time. And then Katie kind of fell into fell into the showboat and stuff with her the last time, goading her and calling her on. And this is not Katie Taylor. Katie doesn't do this. But this time she was very disciplined. This time around she was very disciplined. She did no calling her on. She in the inside, she just kept moving her head, moving her head and avoiding all of these big shots in the inside. And her footwork was very good. And her accuracy and punch selection output was pretty good and very, very effective. Now, to me, Boxing is boxing, and it should always be about who's the most effective at boxing. Fair enough, Delphine Bersoon kind of wrestled and, and jostled Katie around the ring. But it's not called wrestling, and it's not called, like, you know, jostling or whatever like that. Or, so it's called boxing. And what I like 
is, and I know that judges are have judges have to score on physicality, uh, ring generalship, domination, all that kind of stuff. But I try not to go away from the fundamentals of boxing: hit and don't get hit. And there's something special. I always I highly score boxers who make their opponents miss and then counter with them. And I thought Katie did that very, very well. She made Delphine Pursun miss with a hell of a lot of punches, and then she landed uh, the majority of her own shots. And that, to me, there is a very, you know, classic uh, performance of boxing, hitting and don't get hit. All Delphine Pursun seemed to have was a plan to stop Katie Taylor from being Katie Taylor. Delphine Bersoon didn't have any kind of game plan to win the fight. What was she going to do? Like, what did she go out to do that was actually going to win her the fight? She went out to stop Katie from being Katie, and that didn't work for her. And then she came unstuck. Come here, Eric. Before we let you go, um, you seem to have gotten on really well with Eddie Hearn, the promoter of the shows over there at Fight Camp, and he's effectively given you an assurance he's going to bring you back for another opportunity, but this time at your natural way to federate. Um, have you discussed specifics and I suppose wouldn't it be nice to end up on a, the same card as Katie Taylor as well but mainly for yourself though have you discussed specifics who's, when's, what's all that sort of stuff no we haven't really discussed specifics but like I know Eddie publicly declared his appreciation for my performance my character and my abilities and everything like that over there, and that was really nice. And it was for me, it was it was it was very reassuring to know that someone of his caliber, one of the best boxing promoters in the world, is speaking so highly of me. But like that, you you, you never really know if that's going to be like a hundred percent, or is that just being very you know TV friendly or whatever. But then. I always I give him the benefit of the doubt, and my manager said, like you know, you impressed a lot of people here, so you're gonna, you you know, you have open doors, you know, and then I like to hear that as well. Uh, but then when I got home, I got a personal message, private message, I mean, from Eddie, and it was again reassuring me that you know that I delivered and I stepped it up to the mark, and he was so impressed, and he he really is looking forward to working. He he's looking forward to, and he wants to work with me and Mark in the future at featherweight so I mean you can't get any better than that yeah well hopefully some sort of opportunity uh, on a big matchroom card in England or even in the USA you never know keep the options open well that's the thing look I showed that I can fight at the top level you know and um, and it's the first time I've been at that level as a professional so like it is going to be massive learning for me a lot of these guys are on the big shows all the time they know what to do and you know, I like I say, I I'm gonna learn loads from that, and uh, fire still the fire is still burning, and I believe I genuinely believe I can become a European, if not world champion, uh, at, at featherweight.